0: Welcome to Practical Wisdom, a weekly podcast about ancient Greco-Roman philosophy. I am your host, Massimo Piliucci. Today's reading is from Plato, Ion 530a, 531a, featuring a dialogue between Socrates and Ion, who was a rhapsod, that is a performer of poems, specifically by Homer, in his case. Quote, Socrates, Good day to you, Ion, Where have you come from on this visit to us? From your home in Ephesus? Ion Oh no, Socrates, from Epidaurus, from the festival of Asclepius. Socrates Well then, did you take any part in the competition? And how did you fare in it? Ion We carried off the first prize, Socrates. Socrates That's splendid news! I must confess, Ion I've often envied you rhapsodes, your art, which makes it right and proper for you to dress up and look as grand as you can. And now enviable also to have to immerse yourself in a great many good poets, especially Homer, the best and most inspired of them, and to have to get up his thought and not just his lines. For if one didn't understand what the poet says, one would never become a good rhapsode, because a rhapsode has to be an interpreter of the poet's thought to the audience. And that's impossible to do properly if one does not understand what he's saying. So all this is worth envying. Ion. True, Socrates, true. At any rate, I find this side of my art has given me a lot of work, and I reckon I talk on Omer better than anybody. Socrates. I'm glad to hear it, Ion. Ion. Yes, indeed, Socrates. It's well worth hearing how splendidly I have embellished Omer. I think I've got to the point where I deserve to have the Omeride crown me with a golden crown. Socrates. Yes, indeed, and one day I'll find myself time to listen to you. For the moment, however, answer me just this. Does your expertise extend to Homer alone or to Hesiod and Archilochus too? Unquote. The Ion is one of the shortest and weirdest of the platonic dialogues. It's overt subject matter is Socrates' criticism of the whole profession of rhapsodes and by extension of poets. Rhapsodes were people who went around and for a fee performed excerpts from the poems of Omer, Hesiod or other ancient poets. But the problem as far as Plato is concerned is that both rhapsodes and poets claimed some degree of expertise in all the subject matters covered by a given poem. So for instance, The Iliad talks, among other things, about war, sailing, and of course, ethics. So people like Ion professed that they were experts in all three subject matters, by virtue of having internalized and performed the Iliad. What bothered Plato was the last kind of expertise I just mentioned, in ethics. He thought that poets had no such expertise, an expertise that arises instead from dialectics, that is, from the practice of philosophy as a dialogue. In a sense then, this was a turf war between philosophers and poets. It's important to keep in mind that philosophy itself had begun a century or so earlier with a rejection of poetry as a form of knowledge and understanding. The pre-Socratic philosophers, people like Teles and Aximander and Aximenes, Parmenides, Heraclitus and all the others, It puts forth the radical position that the world is best understood on the basis of reason and empirical evidence, not by way of mythology and religion. So in a sense, Plato is fighting a subset of the battle started by the pre-Socratics. That battle, incidentally, still goes on today. If you have an ethical question in your life, who do you go to? A priest or other religious figure? A psychotherapist? A philosopher? Well, at least you're unlikely to go to a poet. The excerpt we are discussing today, however, is from the beginning of the dialogue and Socrates hasn't yet raised his main point. I wanted to look at this exchange because it is a good example of how Socrates sets up his conversations, especially with people he disagrees with. Notice, first of all, that Socrates is rather congenial, cheerfully greeting Ion and inquiring into the outcome of a competition of rhapsodes to which Ion just took part. Socrates then ever so slightly moves the conversation to where he really wants to go. In this case, the rhapsodist claim to possess technical knowledge in certain matters. He does so initially in a flattering fashion, telling Ion that the latter's expertise of so many things rooted in his understanding of the Homeric poems is rather enviable. Ion immediately falls into the trap, feeling encouraged to boast of his abilities, going so far as to say, quote, Yes, indeed, Socrates, it's well worth hearing how splendidly I have embellished Homer. I think I've got to the point where I deserve to have the Homerity crown me with a golden crown, Unquote. But at this very moment, Socrates changes his approach rather sharply, responding, quote, yes, indeed. And one day I'll find myself time to listen to you. For the moment, however, answer me just this. Does your expertise extend to Homer alone or to Hesiod and Archilochus too. unquote. In other words, sure, sure, one of these days I'll actually watch one of your performances. But for now, let's talk about the substance of what you claim. We will look at the rest of the dialogue in future episodes, but it is worth noting that what we just witnessed is not only an example of the first phase of the implementation of the famous Socratic method, but also an example of what is often referred to as Socratic irony. Socrates already has in mind where he wants to lead Ion, and it's very clear that he doesn't have a particularly high opinion of his interlocutor. The very same structure and approach will be apparent in another dialogue that we'll study later on in this series of podcasts, the Utifra, about the nature of piety and moral judgment. Thank you for listening to Practical Wisdom. We will return next week, fate permitting.